Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, and today with me, I am joined by Alex Sir. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Well, I want to talk to you guys about the Hangzhou Asian Games. Tickets to get a seat at the Hangzhou Games became available to the general public in June. Mm -hmm. And they are sold out. And they were sold out by August. The Athletes Village and Media Village and Technical Officials Village accommodate 20,000 people. 12,417 athletes are taking part, a new record. And the opening ceremony was on September 23rd. With closing on October 8th, 45 countries and regions will take part in the Games. China has 886 athletes in action, among them 36 Olympic champions. Alex, do you like sports? Do I like sports? I do. They don't like me back. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> okay. What sports do you like? I like, um, you know, I really like the the um, the diving people. I like the figure skating people. Well, if we're talking about Asian games and then uh, the diving people, the gymnastics people, I love them all. But, uh, mm. you know, those are the things that probably I'll never be able to learn or perform in my lifetime. So it has to, we have to wait until my next lifetime. You could totally do diving. Just not beautifully, I guess. Jump off off a diving board and land in the water. Have you done that before? I've gone where you jump about three feet off of the water. Good for you. I've never, <laughs> I've never jumped into any water. So that's, you know, that's, really? yeah, it, it keeps me so far away like from jumped into the pool. I've never done that. I have never done that. Oh my gosh. I've only been tossed into a water body. Didn't you, weren't you just in Senya? That was the ocean and I was like going into the wash. I only fell into the ocean from the surfboard. I never jumped into it. It was quite, <laughs> it was quite comical. But you know, those videos where you, they show people walking up to the jump board, the springboard, and then they do the prep steps and then they kind of just slip on their third step and then their head hit the board. Oh gosh. I get a little paranoid, but those sports are definitely very, very enjoyable for me to watch. I love watching the forms of the athletes and you know there's we have China has quite a feel of really really skillful like master divers and they have this I think yeah your diving team is the best in the right, world right what we call it they perform this magic called splash disappearance <laughs> they just go into the water and there's no, not a single spot. You guys are using advanced alien technology from another species. <laughs> to make the, yeah, I've seen it. It's just like, they go into the water, the water's just still. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Did she go into the water or, or, she still or down what? There? <laughs> I don't, can't see. Yeah, it's pretty but amazing. I'm, I actually just came I'm from I'm very there. jealous. I'm trying not to come off as like, you know, a little too bitter about this. You know, what's even better is mm -hmm. I got back to Beijing today and they had sent me a backpack and it's full of goodies. Like, so I didn't know no. when I went to the Hangzhou. Asian games I was like okay cool I'm uh -huh. going to the Hangzhou Asian games and we went to see like yeah some sports and stuff and we, we explored the city and my first time in Hangzhou so it was real a lot of fun but when I got back to Beijing oh it was your first time how did you like the city oh, yeah I, uh, well everyone my whole life or my whole chi life China life right for 11 years uh -huh. has been saying 
Westlake, 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 Westlake. Every time I hear anyone from Hangzhou or who's ever been to Hangzhou, it's like Westlake. So that's the like the first thing. Well, the second thing we did. Yeah. So the first day we arrived, we went to see all the stadiums and stuff. It was really cool. And it lit up at night. Uh-huh. And then the very next day, it was off to Westlake. Yes. And yeah, it's actually really, really lovely. I, I thought it was very nice. And there were there was too big to see in one day. Mm. We walked, I don't know, 16,000 steps. Okay. And we started off in an area that's very popular. There's malls there. And we ended up walking almost to a Buddhist temple, but it was too far. <laughs> and then we ended up taking a taxi after 16,000 steps. And then we, when we got there, it's like a hundred shops yeah. selling everything and food and Hangzhou, you know, official game shops. So we bought some toys and then we went in and we hung out in this Buddhist temple and it was a little bit rainy. We were there for a couple hours and I wanted to leave right away because it was like raining sideways. <laughs> oh no. And then we, when we got back to the hotel that night, we turned the TV on or whatever. And we found out that the Syrian president and his wife and other diplomats were literally in the temple at the exact same time that we were. Oh my God. And we were like, you should have we should have stayed when like looked around mm. a little more, but it was like so wet. So we didn't, we didn't end up getting to see mm. a president Assad who was there wow. at the exact same time that we were there. So that was kind of a bummer, mm. but it was cool. It was a beautiful temple and we went to the top and they were very resplendent and all of these like carvings of Buddha and different forms of Buddha and other related yeah. deities in the side of the mountain and uh, there's a very interesting story to this mountain uh-huh. there is a legend the legend this is well i kept reading the chinese and the english name and the english name is flying from afar mountain uh. and uh, in this the legend is that this mountain isn't from china yeah that it's actually a mountaintop from india and that one day uh-huh. like a great monk and I don't know, maybe with the power of Buddha, moved the mountaintop to this new location. Uh-huh. And there are claims, I don't know how accurate they are, wow. but there are claims that scientists have looked at the mineral deposits in this cliff and it doesn't belong to the surrounding area. So that's all very interesting. I have no idea if it's actually legitimately scientifically true, but it, it did seem different. And there were mm. varieties of plant life and tree life there that I've never seen anywhere else in China. Mm. You know those like <laughs> shoots of tree life that look like really long pythons and they go forever. Yes. Have you ever seen them? They're, they're everywhere all over this mountain, but I've never seen those anywhere else in China. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely very beautiful and interesting. Sounds quite enjoyable. Huh? Oh, anyways. Yeah, it was nice. The downtown area is cool. On our last day there, which was yesterday or the day before, mm. we uh, were looking around at the opposite side from where the games are being held at downtown. And the uh-huh. architecture of Hangzhou is out of this world. It's really beautiful. Some of the most original, most unique postmodern, modern architecture mm. I have seen ever. It was really, really quite. Have you been? Yeah, I went to Hangzhou for the first time when I was in my senior year in college, when right before I graduated graduated back then that was 2012 that's over 10 years ago it was already very beautiful but we went to this area um that's i think to the west of the main city mm-hmm. now apparently it has become a new um economic zone while with uh you know it is a new economic park or zone whatever you call it but it's still uh, managed managed to keep the nature part with it so it's still very beautiful but it has a lot more it's producing a lot more gdp for hangzhou city mm-hmm. and so we actually recently went uh, to Hangzhou in June and we went there for the biggest animation festival in China. Ooh. And 
yeah, I had uh, a lot of international vendors, no, animation artists, and yeah, and <laughs> see, now we're now now we can feel a little bit better about you know what we what we get to do and we don't get to do, Jason. But yeah, we went there and then we stayed at the new part of the town and um, the basically where the Westlake is is kind of considered the old part of the town. And I don't know if you noticed, but the entire Westlake scenic area is kind of surrounded by this, uh, this like this little hills. Mm -hmm. So it feels like very, it feels like, oh, you have to go in to see what it has to offer. And while driving by it, it also just kind of draws you in. And what's different for me this time is because I used to go with my mom for business. I've always known that there's the Westlake, there's other like beautiful sceneries and stuff. But this time we went, I started to realize how different, how international and how modern it also is. It's not just a city mm. with like really beautiful kind of, you know, uh, folklores or, or stories like the one that Jason just told. It also has really, really good business infrastructures. It also has mm. great hotels that could host a lot of people. Alibaba and stuff like that. Oh my yeah. God. We couldn't even get close to the Alibaba section because this is in a different part of the city and it has, it's so massive apparently. But we we went to, there's a quick, like funny little uh, story. We were, uh, I think we went to a mall, like a very big, beautiful mall. I'm trying to find our way. And then my boyfriend, Dalton, who also always holds doors for other people, you know, bless his kind soul. Um, he held the door for this younger couple. And then not saying that people don't speak English there, but we didn't expect something like this to happen. It was very interesting. The guy walked out after Dalton uh, held the door for him. And he said to Dalton, this is a Chinese couple. He said to Dalton in very, very, very standard British accent. And he said, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of interesting. And then I was like, this is a good experience. And the people that we um, interacted with at the hotels, they all spoke English. It was, it was like, oh, so it, this must feel really good if international guests come to Hangzhou. Um, it'll make their visit, their business or their traveling time probably a lot easier with the the people and with the infrastructure. So great city, I think. Wonderful mm. city. Well, you know, I did my, I don't, I'm not a live streamer. I'm not into live streaming, but we did some live streams and uh, we got a lot of people to talk to us. So it was really exciting. We talked to a lot of uh, foreigners who had come to Hangzhou from all over the place. I, I saw people from Iran and I got to talk to them and people from Uzbekistan got to talk to them from all over Asia people were pouring in and got to see the games it was really cool and you know what's you know i was in mm. beijing at during the winter olympics mm -hmm. which just passed and there was signage and stuff yeah. and you could tell that the olympics were going on but it was also kind of closed off because there was the the like closed loop system that was during COVID. right yeah. so yeah. this was interesting because the entire city was decorated you couldn't go one block without seeing like statues or posters of the mascots or like welcome to hangzhou asian games like everywhere every building oh, every man. subway every bus stop everywhere mm. you went and geely which is an ev company donated two thousand cars to the taxi yeah. fleet so when we arrived at the airport they were like, right away, get into this car. And so we jumped into this Geely, which was like a limousine for six people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just Summer and I. Oh, jealous. Some of the seats were folded up, like in, so a wheelchair, it was wheelchair accessible because the para games are ongoing simultaneously. And so that was wheelchair accessible on in these Geelys. And it was an EV and it so it drove like you were just 
we couldn't even tell we were driving except you look out the window and see stuff going by. Mm. It was so quiet and so smooth. And like, I don't know, the whole experience was kind of magical because everything was clean and there were volunteers everywhere directing people to go everywhere. Like we went to our first game was called Pentathlon, Mm. which is swimming, shooting, fencing, running, and horse riding. We didn't, we, we got, we saw four out of five. We didn't stay for horse riding because we'd have to come back like five hours later because I guess they were tired from running because it was a (laughs) lot of running. But it was it was really exciting, and we there were like eight countries in the games that we saw this particular game, and uh, people were cheering for everyone, and it was it was a, a lot of fun. You know, I don't know how they were shooting because mm. I couldn't tell if like, I didn't hear any bullet sounds, so I'm not sure if it was like lasers or something. But it was really cool, and you know, there were volunteers everywhere, standing at every single possible corner every inch of the entire place. So anytime you had a question, all you have to do is like literally turn sideways and ask. Mm. So it was like cool. And they had very cool robots that could do, you know, you have the robots in the malls, right? You're getting, we're getting used to them in the hotels where they deliver your packages. Mm. We're getting used to them. You have the ones that just drive around with like batteries in them now. Like, so you could just like rent things off of them, but they had really cool robots that drove around and would stop, point at you, and then take a picture, Wait. and then cheer and show a picture of you. It has arms. Yeah, it did have arms, but it didn't use that. Oh, head. it's not. Its a- face was like a <laughs> was like a it looked like a, a robot with hearts on it flying, but it would stop and say, "I see, like, I see." In Chinese, uh, let's take a picture or whatever, mm. and it would take a picture of you and had Aww. its stomach or its whole torso was a camera, and it would show a picture of you with like you know. A crowd oh in the background God. cheering, and it would sh- show the sound of cheering. <laughs> so, like, it, I did. That's right. That sounds too adorable. So, yeah, I felt really cute. good about myself because everyone was cheering for yeah. me on this robot's torso. So, I think that's you know, oh, that's awesome. It was awesome. And a lot, of, I saw actually some of the athletes using it too because they were like out. Wow. And they went up to the cheer bot or whatever, and it was like cheering for them. <laughs> it was really cool. So, it sounds like it's a very, very high tech kind of uh, sports event in Hangzhou, huh? Well, you know, they had a legless robot that legs were a chair playing the piano you know how you have those automatic pianos that automatically play themselves this was not that play themselves this yeah. was a robot playing the piano it was very cool wow i mean even though i said i got to go to the honjo animation film Fe- an animation festival still can't be the fact that jason has been to the winter olympics and hangzhou asian games it just sounds too- i didn't go to the winter olympics no, no, no. But you got the I was just in Beijing when they were ongoing. Didn't you get the official Bing Dun Dun from the game? Oh, I got the Bing Dun Dun from the official merchandise store in Beijing. I didn't get to go oh. to the winter. Oh my gosh. Oh no, but no, no, no. Oh, okay. But I got to go to the Hangzhou. That would have Asian been games. that would have been a game changer. Yeah, I got to go to the Hangzhou Asian Games, uh, which is really cool. Mm. I'm very excited. And the nineteenth oh also it was carbon neutral. So I think that's part of the Geely thing. Oh and, nice. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they're reusing oh, yeah, I read a lot about of it. Go ahead. Yeah. And all the stadiums were be- resplendent absolutely beautiful they didn't use any fireworks because they're trying to keep the carbon emissions down for the carbon neutral games yeah that's kind of one of uh, the important uh causes they're trying to go after this time i i knew because i have friend who uh, friends who work for geely and they were posting about the ceremony where they launched the geely yeah i think so um uh because the chinese name is geely so i'm assuming the english name is also Mm. geely but you know we all know which company I've been mispronouncing it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, a ceremony of them, you know, kicking off their initiative, kicking off the service for the the Hangzhou Asian Games and the biggest uh, 
not selling points, but the biggest uh, focus is that this is all a green renewable energy and, and carbon neutral energy cars that will serve the entire Asian games so that we can eliminate our carbon emission and help the environment, like we said the whole time. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I remember there was an Olympics. It was a while back. It was in Brazil. And there was a lot of criticism at the time because for, for the construction, for the construction of the facilities and some of the pollution in the nearby rivers and things. And so I think what's happened since then, because there was like global outcry a little bit, is that each time each country has taken up these huge global flagship initiatives like the Olympics or the Asian Games or World Cup and stuff, mm. have been trying to improve the environmental outcome for hosting the games. Mm. Reusable facilities or facilities that impact the environment very little yeah. and, and cleaning up and adding value to communities, adding value to cities, adding value to the environment through the hosting of each set of games because there was concern that some of these glo massive global games mm. uh, need to be done in such a way that they don't just benefit the community for that season, but they can benefit that community for the next 10 or 20 years from hosting uh, a set of games. Correct. And that's why the cities that are hosting these games always have to have really, really thorough and, you know, like really well-rounded long-term plans on what this game will do to the, to the city for its people, for the future of everybody. What do you plan to do with all of the, you know, really, really amazing venues and yeah. architecture that you built for well, this event. So it doesn't go to waste. Well, I had a friend, uh, he went to see a giant concert, concert a rock concert uh i don't know the name of the band a chinese local rock sensation at the bird's nest here in beijing about a year ago or i guess it wasn't a year ago it was like more like six months ago and so but you know they fit twenty thousand screaming fans in there so like the reusability yeah. of these i mean beijing has the population of arguably somewhere between 22 and 20 i don't know million yeah. people so a venue like that is infinitely usable for years and years and years and years to come. Yeah. And honestly, if you looked at recent news about Chinese pop stars and rock stars concerts, packing all the venue is probably the last thing that they have to worry about is people who really want to go to those concerts and how it's possible for them to get uh, a ticket. Well, there's a new venue. I mean, this is a little off topic. I wanted to ask you, since you're over there on the mm. Chaoyang side of Beijing, yeah. is the Workers' Stadium open? Because it's been under renovation for a long time. Is it Open? Of course. Oh my God. You haven't seen. I, I'm sorry. I'm gloating a little bit because I'm on the side of the town and I get to see every bit of change it's open. of the stadium. And, um, you know, you should, you should come over more often so you can know these two, but it is open. It had a grand opening, um, kind of a ceremony that, uh, that kind of, uh, that was followed by a game, the first Guan, Beijing Guan game, which is the official mm. soccer team of Beijing. Guan. And they had, um, they had singers, yeah, they had singers that did like opening performances and people were just it was it was wild that day. And then it's been wild ever since. Um, and this was back in, I think, 
if I was mm-hmm. not mistaken, back in July. I got so many questions. So it's been open for a while, and then we knew. We, what we, is this? You said the soccer team is called <laughs> well, Guan. Can, what does that mean? Guan means um, Guo means country, and oh. An means like sound and stable. Oh, okay. So there's like peaceful. Is there an animal associated with? Because I know the basketball team is like the Beijing Ducks or something. The duck. The the soccer. T- I'm not an authority on this at all. I'm not an expert on this at all. Could be totally wrong, but I don't think there's an animal associated oh, okay. with the team name. At least they might have a mascot, but you know, I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen a, a Guan game, which is a little shame of me. But you know, the thing is, we have a very good friend who lives in the building that's right across the street from the stadium. He's on the 17th floor and he has a balcony. So we've been just going over to his place, wow. uh, drinking on his balcony, looking at the, you know, the completion of the new stadium. Wow. And then we got really excited when the lights first came on a couple months ago. And we've been kind of just, just watching it since. And when things go crazy down there, when there's a game, People can't get a car. We just said they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to walk home because we live so close to the stadium. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that reminds me when we were at the pentathlon games, we mm. saw the before the game started, we got there an hour early. We were like panicking. We got to make sure, you know, we don't we're not from Hangzhou. We want to make sure we're there. Yeah. So we're there an hour early and we're sitting in the 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 bleachers, I guess that's what they're called, right? Yeah. And we're looking at these two shoes, you know, two uh, yeah. residential buildings across the street from the venue. And we're like, man, I wonder if they get to just watch the games for free. And then we noticed about two hours later in the midst of the game, as we looked up and there were like, I don't know how many people, I'm guessing hundreds of it's people insane. standing on balconies all over the sides of these residential buildings, watching the games from their apartments. Yeah. The, the I've always, I've, you know, you always see these videos of people saying, Oh, I don't have to buy a ticket because I live right across the street from the stadium. And it's always like super yeah. loud and really bright, especially when you do fireworks, they almost have a better view in their apartments. So that's kind of, yeah. I mean, a- I used to live on, I think it was the ninth floor and in Beijing, Back in the day, people used to sl- set off their fireworks, you know, their borderline professional fireworks in the streets. Mm. And what was great about being up on the ninth floor is you could just kick up your feet on the sofa and look out the window because they were going off in front of the window. <laughs> they were firing up into the sky for the people below and exploding. But they were exploding from my perspective next to my window. Yeah, you got you got scared, huh? I was no my well, I I I wasn't scared. My hamsters were terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a I don't know what a terrified hamster looks like. <laughs> how they act when they when they hey, think about when a when a when a hamster is uh really close to exploding fireworks. You know, they probably didn't think about that was possibility of a day that they have to deal with problems like this when they got brought into this world (laughs) poor hamsters i thought running out of water when jason was being lazy was bad this is terrible okay so uh i also we also got to go to a tertiary Mm -hmm. venue hangzhou normal university and we went to see rugby seven so i didn't even i know what i knew what rugby was kind Mm. of a little bit you know uh but i had to learn about it before this game so it's rugby sevens is like rugby with fewer players on the field so Mm -hmm. they have to do more work so there's a lot more action and each of the games was like 20 minutes or less it was really short and so they had game after game after game it was really exciting because two countries would come on the field play (laughs) until one of them won really quickly and then it was like horn 
Blast. Okay, next countries come out. It was so, it was really cool. One of the games that we saw was China versus Afghanistan. Yeah. And I feel for Afghan uh, folks, you know, yeah. what you've been through. However, China really handed it to Afghanistan. It was like 54 to zero. <laughs> I saw, uh, that China. thing was kind of blowing up on social so media. And was, I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> it didn't have to do that. My, yeah, I was sitting next to Summer, my wife, and she she doesn't know sports, right? I mean, I don't know sports either, but I know them a little better because I grew up watching sports with my family. My dad mm-hmm. was a huge You're sports to, person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have every baseball card known to man and then from the 1980s. Anyways, oh wow. Uh, Summer was like, well, now that they've gotten so far ahead, maybe they'll let Afghan get a few points. And I was like, that's not how sports work, babe. They're just going to keep crushing them. <laughs> and then but, sure enough, but you know, she, it was devastating. But he, she does have a point, though, because, you know, I don't know if, if, if this is a kind of a, a known knowledge to a lot of people, but at least in games like table tennis, like ping pong, which China is very good at, along with some other countries, there's kind yeah, of yeah. this unsaid rule. Like if you're playing against a team that is kind of just like noticeably a lot weaker than you are, and then if you're clearing the table, like because one round is like uh, 11 points, right? If you got to, you're, if you're getting to mm. 10 or nine already, and you're like one, and they've only got zero or one or something, then basically you don't, long story short, you don't win 11 to zero. Like you give them one point at least just to show kind of like the sportsmanship. Yeah. So really, it's very wow. interesting. Um, there are all of these videos online. Like if you look for kind of just, just Google videos like this, then you will see videos of people. There are people, there are athletes, amazing, amazing athletes who are very good at pretending that they missed the ball, but there are also athletes Uh-oh. who are very bad at pretending <laughs> that they missed it. They just kind of like the ball comes back. They just kind of, <laughs> stops and then Bob misses the bat. The bat and- Maybe that's the case in some sports or some of the time, but I got the feeling watching these uh, Chinese players, they were like, let's see how many points we can win by because it was <laughs> touchdown, 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 touchdown. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And then it was a eh, horn. It was, oh, wow. no. that was just, yeah. So, I mean, I, oh yeah. You know, it was great though, because we're in a, we're in China for the Asian games. Mm. And so the cheering was out of this world. People were like, you know, chanting and there was, the wave going on in the stadium. It, w- it was really exciting. People were going crazy and they were so happy, obviously, that China was winning against whoever, you know, the opponent would have. Been. Yeah, where we'll see the, the games are still ongoing at the time of a recording. And I'm really looking forward to I'm not going to lie. I probably won't uh, spend a lot of time watching the entire games, whatever sports it is. But I'll definitely really look out for these highlight videos that are coming out of the Asian games and you know, the big ones will definitely watch towards the end of the game. Well, you know, I agree with you to some extent. I'm not going to sit around just watching the sports, but definitely there are some I will, you know, like just a couple like you. But I mean, I also am just seeing stuff pop up on social media. Like apparently uh, there was a Central Asian country. I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was like Kyrgyzstan Mm. where a player rated in ping pong was like Two, rated 208th in the world or something and went up against Japan and the player on Japan's team was like rated third in the world and Kyrgyzstan actually won. Oh yes, so, the ping pong game. You know, it was a huge upset and people were like, just, he, you should have seen this guy is jumping up and down after he won. Like I know, <laughs> I know. And then they, yeah, they also show the video because the, the ping pong games, like I've never seen a, a like a world uh, a ping pong event or just any ping pong events live, but from the, ta- like, you know, the TV broadcasting and tapings we've seen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It could be a couple of games going on together in the same venue, right? Because you only need one, like, 
ping pong table. So next to the the duo that you just mentioned was uh, one of China's best players, uh, Ma Long. And he he was playing. I didn't remember who he was playing against. And then people are like, he was like, right. Yeah, sure. Why is everybody so excited? Because, you know, he was supposed to be the center of the attention for the whole thing. And then people kept like cheering and people were like going crazy. And he was like, what is going on? And he looked at his teammates. He te- his, his teammates were not really looking at him either. And they were all kind of like they were not smiling, but they were just like. They probably just couldn't believe what's going on. So everybody had this look on their face. And Malone was like super confused and perplexed. He was like, what is going on? Is anyone watching me play? And then he realized that that's what was happening right next to them, that the, the Japanese um, uh, athlete got kind of lost out of, you know, nobody saw that coming. Um, so, yeah. And it was and he was like, oh, so nobody yeah. was looking at me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And he won the game, whatever. Well, you know? Crowds love that. You know, when the underling comes out from out of nowhere and just wins for like an unpredictable reason or whatever it crowds love that movies are made about that kind of thing i mean it's it's exciting to see someone who you don't think is going to win there's they have no chance to just go to the top that's that's great stuff yeah and that's the that's beautiful the thing like about sports events and i think that's what people watch it for it's kind of boring to seem to see one person or one team always winning without any challenge you could win always but mm. if you that's what people say like oh i want to see a good game like i don't want to see a sweeping 52 to zero i want to see a very close draw until the very last minute of the game like that's what excites people mm, yeah well you know at least for me at least we, for me we, I, i'm not mm. partial to malaysia or or wait was who was it it was sing it was a malaysia singapore it was singapore versus thailand singapore versus thailand came out for rugby sevens and i was like oh i feel like thailand's gonna win i don't know anything about either of these teams or at all zero nothing <laughs> and neither did my wife but they, so they both came out and i was like thailand's a yeah. bigger country so they have a bigger population to draw they're probably gonna win in summer my wife she's like no you're wrong. Singapore's richer and they can buy anyone they want in the world to be on their team. They're going to win. And so we got a little rivalry for those 15 minutes. She she was right. Singapore yeah, I'm swept just, pretty hard. Yeah. I'm just going to say population. Population is not a, a deciding factor a lot of the time. It's the China <laughs> wins a lot of Olympic medals. It's got to be. There's 1.4 billion Chinese folks. You got a lot of talent to draw and that's got to be playing into why you guys win so many medals, right? Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to certain sports, that could be a, a less swaying factor factor than just the, sim, the pure skills of people um, that play that sport. I'm not going to keep saying anything on that topic just in case but you know what right. i'm talking about you know you go throughout the city there are three mascots tong tong lian lian and chen chen and i heard different things from different sources official sources mm. about what each one of them represents so i'm not going to go too into it but i know that for a fact from every reference that uh tong tong which is mm. the yellow mascot it represents a bumper harvest so they're really okay. adorable and there are uh stores in hangzhou that are official hangzhou you know, merchandise stores. Mm. I want to tell a story. Okay. So my wife and I, we got to that Buddhist temple I told you about and we saw the store. And so I was like, babe, would you buy me something? I know that's the opposite (laughs) of what you expect, right? Okay. But I was the one who wanted the cute toys. Yeah. And I wanted her to buy them for me. And so she did. She bought me these porcelain little dolls of each one of the three main mascots. There's a fourth I'll get to later. But uh, then I was like, great, I'm going to put these on my office desk at work. And they're going to be like my office, you know, Uh mascots and forever. I'll just keep them there. And great. So then I guess I didn't really notice, but when I wasn't looking, she took them out of the box to play with them. And then when we went to check them later, uh-huh. Song Song is missing 
fingers. Oh, no. And she has a picture on her WeChat she posted of them when she had them out of the box. Uh And he has all of his fingers. (laughs) So she broke my (laughs) tongue's home. (laughs) What a sad story, Jason. How sad. No, but it it broke in a weird, cool way, actually. It ended up where he mixed the the Leo symbol. The the six (laughs) that it looks like he's like, I'm hanging cool. And it actually doesn't look like he's missing fingers. It just looks like they're like folded away. So it actually didn't work out too badly. The very skillful <laughs> destroyings of, <laughs> of the mascot. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. So in addition, for those people listening, I want to just uh, outline this. In addition to these three mascots, Chen Chen Lian Lian and Tong Tong, mm. there's a fourth mascot most people are not aware of, and that is Fei Fei. And Fei Fei is, it looks a little bit different from the other ones, and is it doesn't stand up and make mm. like a sports poses as much as it looks like it's flying, <laughs> and it looks a little more like a cartoon character than like a doll. It's a bird. Yeah, paragames. And it represents the, the paragames for the Asian games, which are ongoing simultaneously. So one thing that I was watching out from day one Mm. is how accessible are the games for people who are handicapped. So there are ramps everywhere. The Geely, sorry, Geely's, the Geely's have like a little ramp and they have fold-ups chairs. Uh, The subway has uh, ramps everywhere in the whole city that I noticed. And all of the all of the subways have areas for wheelchairs to go, and uh, there are helpers for people to, just like in Beijing, to help put ramps on, okay. connecting the subway to the platform if the gap is a little too off-putting. Nice. Uh, so people are able to get to wherever they need mm. to go, and there are special places for them to park their their wheelchairs at the venues themselves. So they're completely accessible games for n- not even the, the games that are not just para games regu- rest of the games as well are also accessible to handicapped that is very kind and that you know we always say that we want to help these people and there should be more things uh, available to them and i think the asian games even and i didn't see myself but you know i think they're doing an amazing job to cater to the to this crowd i saw a great video today i didn't know i I didn't get to see the context because when you're on social media you're clicking from one thing to the next and i only stayed for about 20 seconds but there was a a gentleman from chinese taipei uh and he was he had won a victory and he was defielding he was leaving the field and Uh the crowd the mostly mainland Chinese, Chinese mainland crowd was just going berserk cheering for him. Yeah. And he looked up and he started crying on camera and he couldn't stop crying the whole time he's walking Aww. off the field because he was so touched by the crowd's enthusiasm for his victory. So I think that that was something beautiful. That's always something. Um, I don't know if this is a little off topic, but I just, uh, you know, just speaking of that kind of feelings you get when people are cheering for you when people understand and support the things that you do and they share your love for it it's some i went to i went to singapore this past weekend to attend a dance festival is nothing compared to the asian games of course it's much smaller maybe like a couple hundred people um but then when the when we, what we call the master teachers um when they're teaching and then at towards the end of the class when we get selected to, to dance with a teacher to record a demo and everybody's just cheering for you and they're like, yes! 
is. And then they they kind of kind of, you know, yell and cry and scream at the beat of the music with you. And it's just it's an amazing feeling. So I can't even just imagine when a whole stadium of people are cheering you on and just giving you their love and support it must be like the most one of the most overwhelming moments a one like a person could have in their lifetime. Yeah, that reminds me of something I found interesting. Also, mm-hmm. the, in San Francisco, they have something called the Exploratorium, okay. which is like a giant warehouse, mass, super massive warehouse, the size of a museum. You go in, and mostly it's for children. Mm. But I, uh, I'm like a child, so I went a couple times <laughs> as an adult by myself, mm-hmm. or even I, you know, with a friend one time. And mm-hmm. there's inside are like 100 experiments to do for example uh an off topic a little bit you'll see a piece of paper appear and it's black you push a button and another piece of paper flops up real paper Mm -hmm. and it looks white and you're like okay that's white you push another button and another piece of paper appears next to the them so you can reference them and you're like oh that's white because it's even whiter than the first piece of paper Mm -hmm. and you keep doing this about six or seven times (laughs) realizing you don't actually know what white looks like white is yeah or or, yeah because it keeps showing a gray piece of paper that's slightly whiter than the one before it each time based on your first reference point you're like oh that's white but it keeps going whiter and white so that's just one example one of the things they have there is you step into a booth and it's like the size of an old phone booth for those of people who remember what those are. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all black inside except uh, there's noise. So it says step forward. So you step forward and it automatically makes the sound of a huge, massive crowd, like thousands of people saying boo. Mm. Boo, really like deeply and like different tones and like it's you know people jeering and you're like you feel bad then you step back and then it says step forward and you step forward and it's cheering there's big lights come on and so it's like you can't see you're blinded by the light and it's just like the sound of thousands of people cheering with different tone and you like feel really good about yourself (laughs) and you know i guess the point of the experiment is that you know to show kids or people who are you know like kids uh, like jason (laughs) what it feels like to be on stage and to have some sympathy maybe for them to uh, to some extent i could feel that that was the intention yeah and uh, you know it was very 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 interesting feeling that, you know, kind of like the robot, but you know, I guess you're on stage a lot more than me. So I, you would know more. Yeah. It's, I, what does it feel like? Do, do you ever get a crowd that's just like, get off the stage? Has that ever happened to you? Not yet. I'm going to knock on wood for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I bring my friends and do that too? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, that's okay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, I've been, uh, I've had like flat reactions. I've had, um, you know, yeah. I've, I've, I've had audience when I was doing stand up on stage that just didn't react to anything. Mm. Then you just kind of have to mm. deal with it, you know. Wow. But when they do react at all, it feels great. Yeah, when you get cheers and they're laughing at your jokes mm-hmm. at the right points that feels great yeah do you ever get not just laughter but actual cheering yes yes i've had that a couple of times so it's not Um, like they're like that's funny as much as like that's what i agree with you it's kind of like i assent to your (laughs) commentary about society yeah that's the thing i I had a show like that in shanghai and the the whole room it was a packed room and it was great show uh everybody on the show was wonderful and the crowd was absolutely absolutely just you know amazing but i was like i understand what you're doing part of what you're doing part of the reason why you're so excited about my performance is you for example you like my personality you like the the things that i say you like the comments that i made on certain topics or issues like you said and it's not necessarily because they like they're so amused by 
my humor. So I came out of, I came off the show and I was like, you know what, this is not something to be, you know, it, it's not something that you should kind of gloat over or like be so happy about like, oh my God, people love my jokes. And when they just agree with you, you know, and then they're, they're supportive and don't get used to that though. Like don't get used to kind of that idea because if you think, oh, this is my best or this is this is what I deserve. And then you go to other venues, you go to other different crowds. The reaction is going to be completely different because well, comedy is a very different thing than sports. Mm. Sports, you do well or not, you know, people are going to have that similar reaction unless you're playing home or you're playing guests that may right, you right. Know, <laughs> yeah. uh, make a huge difference. <laughs> other than that, you know, it's not going to be. Yeah, I didn't see any jeering at all, obviously. But what I did see is just cheering for whoever made the point. Mm -hmm. So, But I saw that when China's team was fielded. Mm. <laughs> when China's team was fielded, it was like, you know, Jiao, Chonghua, Jiao. And the, even parents <laughs> was adorable. There were some kids sitting behind us eating ice cream and stuff. The parents were teaching their young children to say Jiao, Chonghua. Oh, so the that is so like, cute. Jiao, Chonghua. And they're like waving a little Chinese flag. That's very stuff. cute. So it was like they were being, you know, taught to cheer at the right points and stuff. That is so very that cute. Was cool. mm. It was very, very cute. So this is also supposed to mm -hmm. encourage global awareness of tourism to Hangzhou. So yeah. you mentioned having traveled to Hangzhou and having been to a couple places, where would you recommend okay. people go if they go to Hangzhou to just enjoy the city? You know, one or two places that you think oh, are really cool. One or two places. Okay. I have to very seriously think about this. Well, I guess you can't miss the Westlake because it's just such a signature uh, scenic spot for the city. And it has so many stories behind it. It has the story of the white snake and the green snake. It oh, doesn't sound you tell us the story of the white <laughs> snake and the, you know, your own version, you know, as, yeah, as though it's, it's, we are us audience members and Jason, we are your children. Tell us a story. Okay, kids. <laughs> okay, guys. So, <laughs> so the, the, the white snake story and the green, the white snake and the green snake story is very, very popular in China. And it's been a story that's been told for centuries and there are a lot of TV shows and, and movies that are essentially just this story. And they don't even shy away from using the white snake and the green snake, but they all have their own different twists and interpretations on it. But the main story, the, the original story is kind of like that, the you know, in Chinese um, uh, mythology, sort of like there is the creature, there are the creatures that are kind of like devilish. Um, and then there are humans and then there are fairies like gods. And then if you were born as kind of a devilish creature, you're not done mm. for. Mm. You could go through a long time of studying the principle and then the, you know, the whatever ways, good ways to good things that will help you like accumulate kind of your let's say god credits and when you get enough credits then you get to ascend to heaven as a god so that's kind of mythological background uh, for the story so there is a snake little demon thingy that could shape shift into hmm. human and one day she was almost going to be killed by a hunter and this very kind boy saved her from the hunter and then as she was going through incarnations like over and over again and his, you know, going through like life and death cycles of life, um, she decided to find this little boy who saved her life almost a thousand years ago. So she was so 
you know, set on this idea of finding the person. She spent a thousand years waiting to meet him again. And then when she finally did, she fell in love with this guy. They fell in love with each other, helping each other. But because he's a thousand years old, he's not. He went through like different time, time. Uh, oh, he's reincarnated. Reincarnated. Everybody is because, you know, it's kind of like oh. Buddhism whole thing. And then uh, when they finally meet again, because she is still a little demon, not a real human, but they fell in love. And this is against the rules of the heavenly court and stuff. So this uh, righteous but kind of very mean monk decided to just pull them apart and just take this uh, little snake demon back to his possession and make sure she doesn't kill any any other human beings. But she's not. She's being nice. And then they really just went through a lot of struggles. Um, you can look at look up the story later because it's too much to tell. And they went through a lot of struggles to eventually be together. So the story is, you know, Chinese people look at the story as a symbol of being grateful and doing, uh, mm. really putting in efforts to work together to build a life with the person that you love. And also to not give up when there is outside of uh, pressure or difficulties that are trying to stop you from doing what you know is right and, and being with whoever you think is right. So it just embodies all of these things. And the story happens all in the West Lake. There's the tower, there's the bridge where they meet each other, and there's the lake where they did the little boating thing together. So if you go, you will see like a very detailed version of the story and everybody's going to tell you this. Mm. So that that's one. That's that's wow. one. Sorry, that was really long. That was more than short. Before you go to the next story, mm. this reminds me of another story about, I think it's, uh, it's not, it's not Mid-Autumn Festival. It's another festival in China where there's, a cow herd Shishi. who falls in love with a weaver lady, a yeah. shishi festival, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And they're also forbidden mm -hmm. love by, you know, the heavens. So it seems like those heavens have a lot of rules about people not dating. We want to decide who you date. <laughs> you don't get to decide. Yeah, there's like some serious dating rules going on <laughs> in Chinese heaven. <laughs> yeah, I know better than you do. Right. Okay, and the, and the yeah, other story? Definitely a lot more stories, but we're talking about the places you should go check out if you're oh, okay. visiting Hangzhou for the first time and have limited yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. time that you can spend there. So the West Lake is definitely your top places to go. And then, oh, also there's a very good Starbucks right next to the lake. And you can sit in there and look at the lake. That's kind of, you know, I like that. Yeah, but, I noticed that when I was next to part of the lake, there was a mall. And I was like, wow, you could just go like shopping at Abercrombie French Finch and then yeah. come out here and enjoy the lake. Yeah. Oh, and also don't get too ambitious when you're around the, the lake. Don't think that you can just walk around it. It's massive. Big. Very, very big. <laughs> it's not small. Yeah. And then if you want to see something else, I would say go to the this area where it's so there is the lake and then there is the Qiantang River. So it is um it, the, the river leads into that ocean and then it's also hmm. separates the city into kind of the what we call the Sihu side and then the new side, which is called the Riverside. And the Riverside, I saw this thing go there at night and it has all of these big office buildings. I love office office buildings and a lot of big malls and stuff. But they did one thing that I thought was really, really impressive because of because of the way the whole infrastructure was built, including how the government worked out deals with the the, the owners of these buildings and then the kind of the the office that runs that entire what they call the new Riverside uh, district, they were able to coordinate all different real estate at night to put on Ooh. a light show. It's not just one 
building with their own light design, another building with their own light design. They work together. So when you drive by it at night, it's like a giant screen by the river. And it's great. Like just all of these different lights, colors, you know, there and shapes and, and, and it's so beautiful. I feel like this happens in about 20 cities. In China. <laughs> there are like 20 or 30 cities in China that have done this where they interconnected like somewhere between 20 and 50 buildings, depending on the city. Mm. And they all have else, I don't know, LED screens or whatever all over them. Mm. And at night they come on at a set time and have like a story of like birds and, or whatever it is, depending on the city that plays out on the, on the skyline because they have this in Wuhan. Mm. They have this in Changsha. They have this apparently now I have, I've just hearing from you in Hangzhou. Yeah. They have this in a lot of cities where there's a whole giant light show every night on the skyscrapers which is this resplendent and beautiful thing about Chinese cities. Yeah. And then there is only one way if you could somehow unite. But not in Beijing. <laughs> Beijing is, <laughs> is going to be very hard. Everybody's going to have their own demands. And also the buildings are not really set up that way. It's more of kind of a cluster of buildings. Not, you know, the Hangzhou New Riverside area, the buildings are laid out yeah. to help with that kind of coordination. It's the same thing with Wuhan. You have a riverside with all the skyscrapers aligned next to it. So it's easy to mm. set that up. So I think it's one of the really cool things. I, I follow this, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, it's called China Travel or Travel China uh, website. I go there often. They upload videos of mm -hmm. Chinese cities at night with all the cool technologies and like, you know, thousands of people out shopping and they show like yeah. festivals and stuff. It's just, you can't even believe what's going on in China on any given night all over the country. It's just, <laughs> it's an amazing country. Really, it is. It really is absolutely out of this Yeah, world. speaking of, sorry, just quickly speaking of Wuhan, because if you've listened to our show for, we pretty much talk about this almost every show because Jason's such a, a good uh, spokesperson. I'm starting a website about Wuhan, by the way. For the yeah. Wuhan city. And if you listen to our show, you will know. I recently only realized, and this is dumb on me i've always thought about wuhan as a place that's like kind of like just a lot further away because the last time i went it was almost 20 years ago i had to take a plane and it was like three hours flight or something and my friend my dear friend emma who's from wuhan she was like oh, i'm gonna go home for a weekend to visit my mom because it's a birthday i was like okay and it's like when you're coming back she's like in two days i was like isn't that a lot of traveling on the road she said no the train takes four hours. I was like, what? <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, if you forgot, Wuhan's kind of the center of China and it takes about the same amount of hours to go to any part of the, the country. So I probably will think about the possibility of just jumping on the bullet train and go to Wuhan for like a day or yeah, so. It's very lovely. I mean, I, I would say <laughs> of the three districts, in my personal opinion, and I've been disagreed with, that Hongko is the place you should be staying. Downtown Hongko. You got to get <laughs> okay. that, that. That's it. It's, it's so lit. Okay. So in, back to Hangzhou and not Wuhan. Uh, I have this list of Hangzhou. This is by Owen Lloyd mm -hmm. uh, from InsiderGames.biz articles. Hangzhou 2022 games for people who don't know. It's been it was Postponed pushed back year, a year yeah. to 2023. 
uh, village opens with unprecedented unified approach. Mm. So I did not get to visit this because this is primarily for athletes. athletes. Mm-hmm. Jason, if you've seen him, he is not an athlete. If you've seen so Jason really and cool Alex. St- <laughs> <laughs> We're not so there's uh, a lot of really cool stuff that these athletes get to enjoy, including driverless buses that just drive around and bring you to wherever you want to go. Yeah, uh, Zero waste exhibition halls, low carbon green eco-friendly practices everywhere cups that are made from wheat straw dining areas Mm. with biodegradable utensils lighting sources all from 100 solar powered energy shared bicycles plastic free shopping and more so it sounds like it is very eco orientated Mm. uh, for these 45 different countries uh 1200 athletes that are going to be staying in this uh very special elite, yeah. I guess camp village, village, village. They call it a village because you know village. It takes a village. <laughs> oh, they have a way. By the way, you know how us peasants <laughs> we have to put our trash in the appropriate receptacle. Like plastic goes plastic, biodegradable goes in biodegradable. Like here in Beijing, yeah. they have a waste sorting machine you just throw your oh waste God. in and then it sorts the waste into the appropriate basket for you i hope that technology becomes cheaper and it could just become a household item that we can all use yeah wouldn't that be great I, so yeah. yeah actually that's what happens okay when and when the winter olympics were going on in beijing mm. i remember they're showing like robots making most of the food for people i remember that immediately after in the united states and in europe and in china restaurants start rolling out robots that cook your food in yeah. some specialty restaurants it starts moving out to the rest of the world so what's going on in hangzhou with these you know low carbon green friendly uh climate friendly kind of technologies we're just seeing them for the first time yeah but you know in a year from now they'll be popping up all over the place hopefully and would love to be able to see things that i we can see now in videos featured as highlights of the asian game become something that we can use and interact i found out from a friend of mine this morning that yeah and I knew this already, but she made it very apparent how deeply and meaningful it was for her mm-hmm. because this is not the first Asian Games hosted by China. This is like the fourth or fifth time that it's been hosted by China. And it was hosted by Beijing in, I believe it was around 1990. That's what she said. So she was really excited when I got back to Beijing because she wanted to tell me her Asian Games stories. And so... Ah, so you can compare notes. Yeah, she was like, Oh, back then we had a panda. I forget his name, but it was a panda mascot. <laughs> China loves panda mascots. Pan Pan, no? I, was that is that what his name was or her name? I don't know. I think it was I think it was Pan Pan. So wait a minute. These two, because we have the Winter Olympics Bing Duen Duen. Mm-hmm. Now we have Hangzhou. Oh, sorry, we have Beijing Asian Games Panda. Oh, we have to have a panda off. <laughs> it, I guess there... <laughs> Which is the cooler panda. Yeah. There's a... Oh, yeah, it is Chumal Pan Pan. That's from... It's just from... It's from my childhood. Ooh. And that was like... I was one year old when Beijing had the, the Asian game. So I apparently didn't hmm. remember anything. But I remember Chumal Pan Pan because he was popular. Yeah. He was popular for many years. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was around. Right. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure, you know. Yeah, yeah. With all the mascots from all the games that China has ever hosted, we could just have like... <laughs> Oh, you know, I just had an idea. 
Halloween's coming up. <laughs> I got to get started on my... Oh, we should dress up as the mascot. Yeah, totally. I got to pick my favorite mascot and then make it make a costume. All right. We're out of time. If you guys want to add to our conversation, please email us, you know, commentary, questions, agree, disagree. We'd love to read your comments on the air at welovethebridge at gmail.com. Thank you for your time, Alex. Thank you for your time, listeners. Thank you, Jason. And we will see you all soon. Thank you.